It's time. It's time. Passcode accepted. Now loading the Down South IT This is the Down South IT Podcast. My name is Clark. Today we're going to talk about Intel's new graphics card called the ARC. Intel ARC graphics card. They have a few different ones. We're going to go over the good, the bad, whether or not this thing is actually worth anything. We'll go through all of that here in just a minute. But I did want to take one second just to do one thing first, and that would be to apologize. I did have to go out of town for work, which meant I was very far away from the microphone and to be able to record this and do it the right way I didn't have enough time to do it before I left so I went ahead and skipped this last upload for for the podcast so we're going to keep going we're going to keep rolling with the rest of the season just like normal but I did want to apologize for missing the last upload just because like I say work kind of took it out of me so I do apologize for that but we're going to get right back on track And again, while you're poking around on the website, which, say it with me, everybody, DownSouthITPodcast.com. You're awesome. I love you. Right there at the top, you will find the shop link. That'll take you to the merch store. Right now, starting, uh, well, it's going to be Tuesday when you hear this, but starting on Monday, the 24th, and lasting for four days. So you have until Thursday, the 28th, on midnight, you have 30% off. Everything site-wide, any, anything on there. You don't have to put a code in. You don't have to do anything. 30% off everything you get at the shop until midnight on Thursday. So run over there, pick you up a free uh, a 30% off t-shirt, a mug, water bottle, whatever it happens to be that you might want to get, backpack, you know, different things. They got all kinds of cool stuff up there. Go ahead and check it out. And besides having just 30% off, you can get free shipping if you spend 75 bucks. So you get a couple of shirts and it adds up to $75 before you actually check out. Guess what? You get free shipping too. So head over there now, get your 30% off. Free shipping if you buy over 75 bucks. It helps me out. It helps the channel out. Let's me do all kinds of cool things on my side, you know, doing reviews and product things. And you can find the link right there at the top of the website. Just click shop and it'll take you straight there. So let's just jump right into it. I do have a link to a couple of articles that I I was reading through. There's two of them, one from PCMag.com and one from Tom'sHardware.com. The PCMag is just kind of a general overall review. If you want to kind of run through that just to kind of get an idea of, you know, what the card is and some of the games that they did to test it, that type of thing. That's probably more the article you would want to read. If you want to get kind of in-depth and you get nerdy with it, the Tom's Hardware one goes into the actual architecture of the GPU, and uh, it goes into a lot more depth. So if you're kind of on the nerdy side of things and want to really know the ins and outs of the new Intel cards, 
the Tom's Hardware one right there at the top of the show prep. Again, that's going to be on the website right underneath the embedded player. Just click show prep. You go look for episode 905. Everything will be right there for you. You can go check it out at your leisure. So we're going to start off with the good from this card because there, it, believe it or not, being that this is Intel's first soiree in a long time into the world of graphics processors and GPU cards and stuff like that, this is kind of what you expect for a first outing. You know, it really is. First up, pricing. The pricing on these cards is actually pretty reasonable. Intel knows this is their first go around. They're not going to come out with something that's going to, you know, go head to head with NVIDIA with their 40 series cards or even the new RDNA 3 from AMD. Whenever that drops, I think that's going to be probably late late this month or early next month. Whenever that they, they decide to do those, they're not going to go toe to toe with those. They know that. So what they did was they decided they, they were going to get more into the budget category. So they're going after some of the older cards that NVIDIA had around and some of the older ones that AMD had around. So you're looking at if you get one of the, the top card that they have, the A770. To be fair, you get a lot of memory on the card, but the performance is a little lackluster to be fair. So their pricing is actually pretty good, all things considered, but they knew what they were getting into when they first did it. So that's why they adjusted the prices and kind of everybody's expectations whenever they launch these, you know, they, they kind of manage expectations going forward. So when you're looking at the A770, which is their, you know, flagship card, it's 16 gigabytes of RAM, which is a lot of RAM for a GPU, especially, you know, uh, for for one that on their first go out, you know, their 16 gigs is a lot of RAM. That one's going to start off at 349. They have a eight gigabit gigabyte variant of the 770 for 329. So to be fair, if you're going for one of these cards, why not pay the extra 20 bucks and get double the amount of RAM on it? You know, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but hey, my name isn't Intel. Their mid-range card is the A750. That one also has eight gigabytes of RAM, comes in at 289. And their basement model, the A380, is a six gigabyte card and that comes in at 139 bucks. So price-wise, if you're just looking for a card, even something just to kind of get you by until you can save up some money and get a decent card, this is not a bad way to go. It really isn't. I'll kind of get into the gaming aspect of it in a little bit, but basically for the money, you're getting a lot of card and a lot of VRAM for the money. So the price to performance is actually quite good on these cards. Another thing that's really good is the actual size of the cards. These cards are not very big, okay? If you're building out a computer that has a smaller case or you're trying to retrofit an older computer with just, you know, some kind of GPU, some kind of discrete graphics just to kind of up your game a little bit. But the case is a little small. You're worried about one that'll fit. This might actually work because the newer 40 series NVIDIA cards, even the 30 series from, you know, the last gen, those are some big cards. They're wide. They're thick. 
you might not have that much room in your case. So these being that it's only a, a two slot card, which means you can fit it in a, you know, it's two slots that take up the, the entire thing, the cooler and all. The other ones are three, three and a half. They even have some big fat boy four slot cards that have huge coolers on them for the, the 30 series. It's not the founders edition ones from the video, but it is some of the, the board partners that, that have those. But still, you're talking four slots for a card. That is a huge, thick, fat boy. So it, these are a lot smaller, half the size of some of those. So if you have a smaller case, you might want to look into these just because it might be the only thing that actually fits. Another good thing is going to be the power consumption. Because this card is not a very big card, it's not going to sit there and slurp wattage like some of the NVIDIA and the AMD cards. Now, granted, the AMD cards are a lot better on power than the NVIDIA cards. NVIDIA cards are notoriously wattage heavy. Some of the new 40 series cards will pull upwards of 650 watts, which is freaking insane. They actually request or their their spec sheets say that you should have at least a thousand watt power supply on them whenever you buy, whenever you install it, which is Again, nine times out of 10, who's going to have that big of a power supply? You're going to have to replace the power supply whenever you get the card. So if you're spending all of that money, why? <laughs> At least AMD, you can get away with, you know, an 850 watt power supply, which is readily available. Most people have them. You know, if you went and got something whenever you have your computer, if you built it, if you went a little bit above what you should have, then you most likely still have enough headroom for an AMD card. And if you still have room for an AMD card, you really have room headroom on your power supply for these. The max is 225 watt. So you can definitely get by in most situations without having to replace your power supply. So that's always a bonus, always a bonus. Next up is gonna be encoding. And this is probably the hero feature of this card. Now, I'm going to talk about the AV1 encoding here in a little bit. But basically, this card has dedicated cores just to do video encoding and decoding. So if you watch videos or if you stream videos or anything like that, if you watch Netflix on your computer, this card is actually going to help you in the near future because most of the streaming services like Netflix, YouTube, all the big ones, Amazon, I think is even kind of gotten into this game a little bit. They're all going to be moving toward the AV one codec. And what it is, that's basically a new video codec that is going to be able to do a lot more with a lot less internet. But to kind of elaborate on that, basically Google and a bunch of the other tech giants, Amazon, Netflix, you know, a lot of the streaming services are going to start shifting to this new codec and it's called AV1. It's a free codec, which means Google, Netflix, all of them, they're going to love that. They won't have to pay for it. Some of the codecs that they have now, the H.264 and X.265, that's the ones that they're doing now. 264 is mainly for the older videos and stuff like that, standard definition. 
720, maybe some 1080p. X265 is more for your 4K and 2K videos. But basically, it allows it to compress it a lot more so that whenever you're streaming it, it doesn't take as much bandwidth from YouTube or from Amazon to be able to stream it to you. Now, granted, you're paying a subscription every month, so, you know, why should it really matter to you? Well, you're paying the subscription, but YouTube, Amazon, all of these, Netflix, they're paying for the bandwidth that you're paying for. So the more people stream, the more they have to pay. And using this new codec, not only will they be paying a lot less for bandwidth, they're going to actually be able to get you better quality video for the same bandwidth. Since there's a lot of factors that go into streaming a, a video online, the two biggest ones are going to be the bandwidth, which is how much internet speed you need to be able to download it and play it, and the bit rate which is how fast that that movie can be compressed or uncompressed on your side so that you get a clear picture. If a video is, say you're watching a show on Netflix and your internet speed doesn't go down, but all of a sudden that show starts getting pixelated and the, it goes blurry, different things like that, what happens is the bit rate bottoms out and it has to build back up. So having something that you can have a higher bit rate from the start means that you'll get a clearer picture and it won't, it'll have a less chance of bottoming out like that. So you won't get all that pixelation and that blurry, you know, mess whenever you're trying to watch a show. So this AV1 encoding, what it does is first it'll let older videos get upscaled to a higher resolution. So if something was originally a 720 movie, you know, still HD, but still somewhat low com considering, you know, it could be 4K or whatever it happens to be, you could upscale it to 1080 and the amount, the speed that you would need to be able to stream that movie wouldn't change. You would still be able to do it at, you know, a five or a six megabyte download speed like you normally would for an older movie but you have it at that higher resolution. So it'll be much clearer picture, which is always good. The other thing that it does was that if you keep that video at 720, the bit rate will go up for the same amount of download speed. So even if you don't upscale it to say 1080, it'll still be clearer you'll still have more, you won't have more resolution, but you'll have a lot better contrast. Everything should come out a lot clearer and you'll have, it, it'll almost look like it's upscaled, but it's actually not. So AV1 is gonna be the codec of the future. It hasn't been implemented or, you know, pushed so far, you know, at, that we know of. But if all of these tech companies are on board with it, you can pretty much guarantee that it's going to be coming soon, probably within the next year or two. I would imagine they're going to start doing a lot of this stuff. So if you want to get in on the ground floor and go into, if you watch a lot of stuff on the computer, again, these art cards might be a good thing to have because of those cores that'll do the encode and decode for you. So you won't have to wait for NVIDIA or AMD or you know, Samsung, if you're using a Samsung phone, whenever you watch stuff, 
you won't have to wa- wait for them to come out with their own version of an AV1 Kodak. It'll already be there. Now, granted, it's going to probably be most most companies, if they decide to move in this direction, which I think they will, a lot of the companies like AMD and all of those are going to come out with something and have support for that codec on all of their equipment before it gets to basically be ma- mainstream. But in the transition between then and now, you could be ahead of the game with one of these Intel cards. Now, let's jump into gaming a little bit because, after all, isn't that why you buy a graphics card? So, again, being that this is a first-generation card, performance for playing games is not terrible. If you're playing some newer stuff at 1080p or 1440, it'll hold its own against, you know, cards in its own category. So, if you're looking in the same price range in this category, you're looking at, say the NVIDIA 2060 or the 3050, which 3050 actually would kind of hand it its butt. But, you know, for the price being that what it is, that's what it's going to be. On the AMD side, you're looking at more of the 6600 and the 6700 series. So along that line, but and if you get like into the basement, you know, with the A380, you're looking more along the same lines of like a NVIDIA 1650 as far as performance goes with games. So they know what they had when they started. You're not going to get great gaming performance out of it. Again, they knew they were not going to be able to outclass NVIDIA or AMD in this. So they kind of decided to go the, the other route and see if they can pick off some of the, some of the car, people that are looking for cards in the budget category. And like I said, if you're only wanting to play a few different games, nothing crazy heavy, and you don't have a 4K setup and all of this stuff, this would probably do you just fine in most gaming scenarios. If you want to play, you know, some of the new, the newer uh, titles, some some esports things, it wouldn't be too bad. I'll get into some of the older gaming stuff here in just a little bit because now we're going to get into some of the bad stuff. And first up is going to be performance. And not overall performance, because like I said, in some of the newer games, you should be okay. It'll trade blows with some of the other older cards that are out there. But the trick is with these cars that they don't have a boost clock. These only run at a single speed, and that's it. They don't boost. They don't, you know, so under demanding loads, the clock speed doesn't go up and then come back down whenever it's not really working. It just runs at a set speed. That's it. That's all you got. So... If you have something that's a light workload and it doesn't take very long, these cards actually are pretty decent and will hold their own because they have a little bit higher clock speed than most cards out there right now, at least as a base clock. I think most of them, if you kind of averaged it out, are probably running somewhere in the 1500 megahertz to 1700 megahertz range. The Intel cards run at about 2100 megahertz. So they are running a little bit faster but again, they don't boost. The other ones will. So if you have something, another card, an AMD or an NVIDIA card, it'll have a base clock of, you know, 15 to 1600 megahertz, but it'll also boost to 2500. So it'll boost over where the Intel one is, but it'll come back down too. So, you know, to each his own. And being that they didn't have a whole lot of time or, you 
didn't want to spend a whole lot of time on having to do booth clocks and different things like that. It, they may bring it out with a, with the second generation. I don't know. It's just kind of wait and see at this point for that. But everything just runs at a single clock speed. And that brings us into the actual gaming part that I was talking about earlier. For the newer games that has DirectX 12, which is software that lets the graphics card communicate with Windows, DirectX 12, your ARC, you know, card will do just fine it'll hold its own that's where kind of its bread and butter is some of the esports games and older titles that use DirectX 10 or DirectX 11 your performance is going to tank and it's going to suck trying to play games on this thing most of them will only do 20 to 30 frames per second which depending on the game sometimes that might be playable sometimes it might not it just really depends but on the launch, Intel actually came out and said that these cards would not work well with older DirectX versions because their thinking was that most people would play newer games. So that's kind of where they focused all of their firmware and stuff. So th- that's kind of what they did. They made it to where it would work with some of the newer games, but not with the older stuff. They may go back later. I'm not 100% sure. They may go back later. And kind of optimize stuff for some of the older stuff, the older games. But I really wouldn't hold my breath too much for that. So if you do, you're kind of stuck with some of the newer titles. If you wanted to play some old stuff that you hadn't played in a while, this would not be the card for you. And speaking of firmware, the first couple of versions of the firmware for these cards were pretty much useless. Whenever they were doing betas and different things like that, they had more bugs than can be counted. (laughs) they had people talking about different things that would happen. They would open up a game and the whole computer would shut down. They had black screens. They had blue screens, weird software issues. I even saw an article about a guy that was testing the card and just maximized a window from something that was minimized on windows. And it caused his computer to reboot. It just all of a sudden just rebooted for no reason. So it is what it is, but to their credit, I will give I will give Intel credit for it. They did get a lot of feedback from everybody that did the beta and some of the people that bought them first. And for now, they did fix almost everything that was found since launch. So kudos to them for that. They actually were able to get in there and fix most of those issues, probably all if I'm sure there's probably some weird stuff floating around, but you know, the biggest issues causing the crashes and the reboots and stuff like that, they were able to find out what that was and get it fixed. So at least the firmware now going forward should be a little bit more stable. So kudos for that. I'll give them, I'll give them props for that because that part is probably not easy, but when you have the resources of Intel, you can kind of get away with stuff like that. So it is what it is, but we'll go for it. We'll see what it, what they do in the future. Next up is construction. And again, this is their first GPU in a while. And they seem to kind of take the Dell approach to this. And I don't actually mean that in a good way. Because if you've ever taken a part of Dell or looked inside of Dell, there's a lot of plastic. There's a lot of form fitting. There's a lot of weird one-off stuff. And that's kind of what they did here. 
So there's a lot of stuff that's press fit together. There's some stuff that's glued together. They got some parts that are taped with double-sided tape to, to hold it all together. I mean, granted, it's not a really huge card. It's not pulling a lot of wattage, so there's not going to be a whole lot of heat off of this thing. But you would think that they would actually just opt to use screws rather than double-sided tape for some stuff. So I don't know. But all I know is that just because of that, taking this thing apart, if one of the fans happens to die or, you know, God forbid, you got to you actually take it apart and clean it. It's going to be a lot more difficult to do that because trying to get double sided tape back together is not going to be possible unless you actually use other double sided tape or anything along that line, which, again, makes it that much more difficult to try to work on your own stuff. So I definitely give them points off of that. Next up is going to be XE Super Sampling. And basically, this is Intel's version of NVIDIA's DLSS or AMD's Fidelity FX Upscale. It's clunky at best. But I'll give them the benefit of the doubt just because they're at least trying to do some kind of upscaling or, you know, sampling. So I'll give them the at least that. But the fact that DLSS is going to be in version 3 now with the 40 series cards and Fidelity FX is kind of able to trade blows with it in some cases depending on what the the game is or different things like that i'd say it's a huge mountain that intel would have to climb to do anything that would be resembling dlss or fidelity fx it's just i don't think they could do it i really don't <laughs> so overall would i recommend this card and that's kind of a difficult thing because there's not a terrible um, amount of information out there on this card yet. Granted, there was a lot of people that did the beta. That, you know, they got a few people that are, that are buying them now. But there's not a terrible amount of information on them. And being it's a first-gen card, I would usually steer clear of something like that. You never really want to buy the first generation of anything, be it a card, be it a, you know, a vehicle, be it a watch, whatever it happens to be. You really don't want to be the guinea pig for something like this. But the fact that it kind of hold its, holds its own against some of the older cards that, you know, most people would be able to afford, especially with inflation and everything else going on right now. If this is the only card that you can afford and you're looking to get into a discrete graphics card, it may be worth pulling the trigger. And I say that mainly just because of the performance to price that you would get out of it. Now, granted, I'm not a big fan of being a guinea pig like that. But again, if I was just looking to get something to bide my time, that would be somewhat of an upgrade from what I have now until I can afford a much better card, this probably would not be a bad route to go. So I can't wholeheartedly endure, you know, uh, recommend this card, but it does have 
some things that are going for it, and it does have a lot of things that are negative to it. In cases like that, usually you want to weigh the good and the bad. And to be fair, a lot of the bad stuff, even the stuff that I went over today in this podcast, is kind of nitpicky. You know, a lot of the stuff, as far as the firmware goes, has all been fixed or mostly been fixed. The construction stuff, if you're not looking to get very much use out of this card, you won't be having to take it apart. Uh, the XE Super Sampling is probably not something you're going to use a whole hell of a lot, to be fair. So if you're just playing newer games that are on DirectX 12 and for 150 bucks less than you could get an AMD card, would you want to try this route? Maybe. It really depends on your situation. Like I said, I can't completely and wholeheartedly recommend this, but if this is the route that Intel is going with these cards and they're going to kind of stick to this and just improve on this one with the next generation, then there definitely is a possibility that there's a path going forward. I'll definitely give Intel credit that for a first GPU launch, the, you know, the performance of it is not bad. So I'll definitely give them credit for that. And I do want to see how they handle things and where they go in the future. So their second gen cards are probably going to be a lot more scrutinized than this one. And rightly so, because everybody wants to see where they're going and, you know, what direction they're going to decide to take with it. Now, in a pinch, would I buy this card if I absolutely had to? Or would I prefer to go secondhand market like on eBay and try to see if I can find something? The fact that this is a new card, not new as in generation, but a brand new out-the-box card rather than somebody else's secondhand card that could come in damaged, broken, would used to be used for you know Bitcoin mining or something like that. So it's almost wore out completely. That actually would make this card one that I would seriously consider. But there would be a lot of research, sweat, and praying, <laughs> for lack of a term, on whether or not I would actually pull the trigger to buy an Intel card right now. So I'll go ahead and end it here, and I'll paraphrase from Albert Hubbard just like we always do. Technology can replace the work of many people but it can never replace the work of one extraordinary person. So go out and be extraordinary today. Thank you all for joining me today. I really do appreciate you. I love you. I'll see you right back here on the next episode of the Down South IT Podcast. Later.